Ah, yes. How about this weather today? We had a little rain in Norman. I like it. It's overcast. Uh, Walked out of the house today. It felt a little bit like fall. It was about 73 degrees when I left uh, early this morning, and it felt great, man. It felt like like college football weather in, like— October. I turn on the radio at noon, and this geriatric's already talking about the weather. I, th- this geriatric's very happy Listen, today. I am right there with today. you, Mike. I, I walked out the front door of my house this morning and said, praise the Lord. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's going to be, what, 83 degrees, I think, was the high I saw today. And uh, some of the local weather people are saying, we're not going to see 100 again. Now, we're going to get back up in the uh, probably the high mid-high 90s, but apparently... We may be done with the 100-degree temperatures. I'm all for that, man. I'm old. I can't take the heat. The oppressive heat I cannot take. Hey, let's hope we get weather like this on September 3rd. Because what I don't want is a replay of last year's season opener when people were getting wheeled out of the stadium due to heat exhaustion. Yeah, and uh, we'll see. We shall see. But you know what? I, You know the stage I'm in right now, Parker, and I think even a lot of fans are. Now, our job is to come in here and come up with different angles and, uh, you know, get you guys engaged on uh, the text line at 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. But I'm tired of talking, man. I am ready to play and talk about results. We're at that stage where it's like, all right, we feel like we've covered about every angle. Yes, you get some breaking news here or there. TD Roof's injury yesterday obviously was the big news. Going to be done for the season. Torres bicep. That's not good news for Oklahoma's linebacker depth. Uh, and there's some recruiting news that's always out there. But aren't you ready to talk about games, actual games? Yes, I am, Mike. And Shane from Newcastle hit the text line and said, it smelled like football when I walked outside It felt that way, man. It really did. It felt great, man. I love the fall. You know, the older I get, which, you know, I'm pretty archaic right now, uh, I am all for the mild seasons. I think fall is number one for me. Spring is number two. Then I'd probably go summer three, winter four. If we have a really bad winter, our winters get really bad if you get an ice storm. You know, you get the ice over roads, that stuff I don't like at all. But I love the fall. The fall means football. The spring means uh, Augusta and baseball. But the extreme seasons, particularly the summer. In fact, I might put winter ahead of summer now. I think I would. I think I'd go fall one, spring two, winter three, summer four. How about you? I mean, I... (laughs) I wasn't anticipating having power rank seasons That's right off right. the bat here. It would but be, so the first no. seed it would be fall versus oh. summer in the one four matchup, and then uh, spring and winter in the two three matchup. I am partial to fall, followed closely by spring. Summer is number three. Winter is a distant number four for me. I hate the cold. Now, are you talking about Nebraska winters or Oklahoma Just winters winter or in all general, winters? Mike, I, I do not like the cold. If it is below thirty degrees. I am out. Yeah, but you can get the fireplace going. You know, our winters, again, snow-wise, snow's great. I don't mind snow at all. It's just the ice storms that are ridiculous. Anyway, uh, we're ready to talk some football. Yes, absolutely. Talking season is over. It's time to see what we have on the field. That is exactly right. The last time that UTEP was in Norman, the air temp was approximately 105 degrees. I I remember remember, that game. I remember are you talking about UTEP in Norman? They were in Norman in 2017. They were also in Norman 
uh, for the first game of Bob Stoops' second season, which ended up being a national championship season. Left-handed quarterback who opened the season at home against Texas El Paso, and the Sooners end up taking uh, the national title, their seventh overall. But that was a very hot game also. So uh, I think it was going to be like the uh, – with the uh, the actual temperature is not going to be like 95, 96, but it's going to feel like 95 or 96. That's the long-range uh, – you know, that is the uh, long-range forecast for the Oklahoma-Texas El Paso game, September 3rd, 2.30. So there you go. Did Mike Gundy say something incendiary this morning? Because everybody's texting in about Mike Gundy. Oh, the article talking about, him. you know, how he nearly took the Tennessee job. And, uh, you know, he mentioned Blue Blood programs. You know, we're, we've got our we've got a good reputation. Now we're not on the level. I think he mentioned Notre Dame and Texas. Didn't mention Oklahoma. But it was the article that came out. So. I, I would argue <laughs> – I would argue Mike Gundy and the Oklahoma State Cowboys are on a higher level over the past decade, at well, least, been, than Texas. Uh, hey, over the last uh, so many years, what, at least a decade, they've been the second-best team in the conference. Mike Gundy has done an unbelievable job at Oklahoma State. I mean, they've, uh, I think all the way back to 2008 that they've only lost in Austin one time. You know, and uh, Texas is uh, partially to blame for that. They're, uh, they haven't played up to their lofty standards. But, yeah, as Sooner fans, Mike Gundy, you know, was uh, was talking about many subjects, and uh, Mike Gundy is not afraid to uh, to tell it like it is. Sometimes that gets him in a little bit of trouble. So, I attended the 2001 UTEP game. I have never sweated so much in my life. That would have been 2000, though, right? Because it was the 2000 season. But, yes, that was, uh, that was a toasty game for sure. Okay. So we talked about this yesterday. And by the way, welcome in. Thanks to Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, first hour sponsor here on Steel Man and Thune on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Okay, so TD Roof's injury, that uh, certainly hurts Oklahoma's depth at the linebacker position. They're thin there. They've got talent there, but they don't have a lot of depth now. So that is a, uh, you know, that's a costly injury in terms of, uh, you know, depth at that spot. No doubt about it. So Brent Venables was asked yesterday, you know, how do you weigh these physical tough practices you're going to going right now and that you put these guys through with the possibility of injuries? And I thought Brent had a great response. Here's what he had to say. Oh, you got to get your work in and, and then you got to stay committed to that, what that schedule looks like. So um, having played uh, or coached in uh, national championships and, you know, half of the last 20 years, um, there's a there's a blueprint, a formula. Um uh, that we try to, to stick by, and we know what works. And, again, if you have a veteran team coming back, um, maybe that's you're, you're putting more of your younger guys in. They're getting more reps and, you know, older guys, once they get enough, uh, then you're you're focused on developing your team, you know. Or, again, we've got a bunch of guys that haven't played a whole lot, and we need to continue to develop cohesion, chemistry, understanding. Um, you got to strain them. That's how you, you improve and get better. So, um, there's that delicate balance, and we'll be very um, aware, you know, really mindful of making sure that we get to UTEP and then Kent State and then Nebraska and so forth and so on uh, with a fast, healthy, fresh football team. There you go. The uh, the audio quality when Brent was at the podium is uh, not, not great. Believe it sounded me, was, like it was recorded I, on a 20-year-old yeah, Nokia. I was listening to that, and I'm like, and that's the best we've got. That's the best part of it right there. 
so anyway, but I love what Brent says, man. Hey, look, I've been here, done that. I know what it takes. I know you've got to be physical because once you get particularly to the playoff, uh, you better be physical. Not only just good, but a physical football team. And that's what's cost Oklahoma uh, in these playoff games more than anything else is they just have they've been pushed around too much. He did indicate there at the end of the sound clip, the bad sound clip, uh, that, again, they're, they're going to taper off as they get closer to the start of the season, but they want to make sure these guys are ready to play a physical game, right? And you're going to get injuries in football. I love the fact that they're taking people to the ground, that they're tackling, they're hitting hard, they're going through physical drills. You can't be afraid of that stuff. You cannot be afraid of it. We haven't seen enough about the physicality uh you know well we have we haven't seen enough physicality uh from the Oklahoma football team in a while uh the last real physical and I'm not saying these guys are wimps but you know compared to the heavyweights out there the Bamas you know the Clemsons uh Ohio State's pretty physical I think too but particularly those SEC squads you've got to be able to match up with those teams Physically, Clemson has basically been an SEC team playing in the ACC, right? Correct. They have been. And I think what Venables and the rest of the Clemson staff was able to build at Clemson is all the more impressive given that it happened in a conference like the ACC, which in terms of overall quality has continued to slip and slip and slip over the last decade. So to me, that makes what they built out there – uh, all the more praiseworthy because in the face of a lack of prestige or an increasing loss of prestige across the rest of their conference, Clemson just got better and better and better to the point where they not only were going toe-to-toe with these SEC programs, they were beating them for national titles. They went to the biggest stage against Alabama twice and beat them which is something that not a lot of other programs across the college football landscape over the past 15 years can say. We beat Alabama on the biggest stage there is. Who else has done it? Kirby Smart, I guess, last year at Georgia? Yeah, and That's guess pretty much it. And Georgia, they're physical, man. Now, I know that Oklahoma should have won that game in the semifinal out there in Pasadena, but Georgia is a very physical football team. That was a historic defense last year. And I know Bama beat them the first time around in the SEC championship, but they came back, played a great defensive game the second time around, and they are super, super physical. So, again, unfortunate for T.D. Roof, and uh, we'll see. Hopefully, cross your fingers. If you're a Sooner fan, they don't have any more injuries before the start of the season. But they're going to practice physical and be tough, and I like that. And we knew that was coming back with Jerry Schmidt, but that is also coming back with his coaching staff. And I think Sooner fans should be excited about that. All right. Uh, by the way, we've got two guests today. We're going to talk with uh, Longhorn Insider Sean Clinch. What's going on at Texas? They've got issues. They've got injuries. Looks like Hudson Card is going to be the starting quarterback, at least in the opener against Louisiana Monroe. We'll see who starts in the Alabama game. Oh, so you're you're calling this thing? Mike. I think that uh, you're calling this race for Hudson Card. I, I, I think that Hudson Card is going to start game one. All Boom. indications are right now that he would be the guy. Now there's still time. For Quinn Ewers, you know, to to make up some ground, but we'll talk to Sean Clinch about that. What's going on with the injuries, and uh, you know what's happening at Texas. Then we're going to talk with Caden McFarland uh, coming up at one thirty-five. Both guests on the uh, Riverwind Casino jackpot line four zero five three two nine nine thousand. 
right here on The Ref. Uh, that Manti Teo documentary is out on Netflix. We'll get Caden's take on that also because he is a huge Notre Dame guy. And I can still remember Manti Teo's one-handed pick in Norman when the Irish came to Norman and beat Oklahoma that night. That was also the night that James Harden got traded away from the Oklahoma City Thunder, which was crazy. And Everett Golson, the Notre Dame quarterback, had the game of his life. All right, stay with us. We'll get to your text as well. Mike Steely, Parker Thune underway here on a, a cool Wednesday. It's 81 degrees. If that, it's awesome. Stay with us right here on The Ref. All right, it is a Wednesday edition of Steelman and Thune right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Hope your Wednesday's going well. I know this weather is very agreeable today. It's awesome. I like it a lot. So, uh, Parker, do you know much about the uh, tailgating situation? Because people I know people are, very, are upset about they're it. They're very upset. I, I will tell you, I am not that in tune with the tailgating situation. I know that people have been wanting to tailgate along Lindsay again. I think that was a situation where, uh, is it David Bourne's wife is Molly, right? That was, didn't like that whole area being torn up and stuff like that. Um, but I guess there is a lot of, uh, people that are upset today because in some of these areas, you've got to pay to tailgate. So you guys let us know because I don't know if you're you're not an expert on tailgating. I'm not an expert on tailgating. You know what I am an expert on? What's that? Like, well, tailgate n- nothing, food? Nothing. But uh, you know what I do know for a fact is that you know what one of the things the SEC is known for is tailgating. That's right. Now, they tailgate in the SEC. Are they paying to tailgate in the SEC? I wouldn't think so. It, it seems like and look I am speaking here, you know, out of my backside because I don't know enough about it. So you guys fill us in. Steely's a homebody. He doesn't leave his That's couch right. on Saturdays. Well, here's what I do on Saturdays. I go, I have my parking spot that I hit. I go do the pregame show, and then I head straight back home to watch the game because I don't do postgame anymore. I used to go to all the games. It's been a while since I've done that. But that's that's what I do now. I, I don't have to be there for the post game, so I enjoy. I don't get to see my wife enough, and we don't have tickets or anything. And I don't even have a media pass now. I just do the pregame and then head back home. I enjoy doing that, getting a little you know piece or taste of Campus Corner while I'm there. But I don't know enough about the tailgating situation. But it sounds like you know people are people are not real happy about it. Maybe this is for OU to get the money to buy their way out of the Big 12 deal. So they're selling tailgating? <laughs> I don't know. In order to buy their way out I don't of the know. Big I've 12? $475 just to tailgate, you know. Um, there are still some public spots out there, right? I, again, there, I don't there, know. There have to be. I don't either. So you guys help us out of the Air Comfort Solutions tax line, 405-651-3439. But the tailgate experience, man, that is, you know, the football game is number one, and then the quality of your tailgate or your fan experience is number two. And there's not that big of a gap between the actual game and your tailgate because college football is unlike any other sport. I'm sure it happens in the NFL too, but I'm talking about here in the state of Oklahoma where Saturday is a day. It is not going – 
to uh, you know to a game and showing up, watching the game, and leaving. Most people are there two or three hours before the game. Some people, we usually get there, and you know, even when I was doing the earliest pregame show possible, whatever station I was working at at the time. Uh, there would be people there already set up at their tailgate that had the TV, the satellite TV, and everything already set up. They'd be having an early breakfast there. And even if I'm coming for a later pregame show, people are loving that experience. And it's supposedly the best in the SEC. So I, I don't know enough, honestly. All I know is that OU fans aren't real happy about what they have right now. Our text line denizen, whom I have somewhat affectionately dubbed Salty Poke Fan, says, For a bunch of guys who hacked on the SEC for years, you sure are fans now. By the way, you aren't in the SEC. No, it was more of, uh, how did what was the hack on the SEC? I mean, they kept winning games. I'm really, like, I, I can't recall hacking on the SEC. And again, I I haven't been at it. I as mean, long look, as... we made fun of it. Just means more, and the SEC chant and some of that stuff. And there are more hillbillies, you know, per capita in the SEC than any other conference. But other than that, I mean, the SEC has dominated. No. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm not mad over tailgating. I'm mad because I picked my OUUT seats and paid for them, which is a problem because I paid for them in May. Also, so did oh, you okay. get double charged, huh. Mike in Weatherford? I. Have to have to double check there. Yeah, so tailgating at Tennessee was interesting. You paid for a tent, and depending on what you added determines pricing. They would set up the tent, the TV couches, even catering. Yeah, it's look, like I said, I'm just so out of the loop on that stuff. And I see with some of the packages that OU's offering, they're doing the same thing. So my guess is OU's not the only place doing this. No, I'm 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 not telling you that everybody's doing this. Is this the new trend in college football? I don't know. Okay, clarity on the text line. OU has a contract with a company that sets up tailgating for people. The fancier the setup, the more it costs. They give the company the prime spots. It's been that way for two or three years. Yeah, I don't know, but people are super upset today. I don't know if the prices went up or something like that, but uh, – like I said, I, I'm not speaking with any real clarity here. I, I'm just – I can remember, you know, the good old days, man, where you were just at O'Connell's with those tubs full of beer. Now, that was a fan experience. Back to the text line. OU has gradually eliminated all true tailgating the past few years. They over-police tailgating, making it not worth it. They created so many rules, it's not even tailgating anymore. SEC fans will be shocked when they see what we do on game days. It's pathetic. Now, I do see some people with some pretty nice tailgates over just to the north of Campus Corner, along that area. You know, we're on Campus Corner. We'll be at Balfour. We'll be uh, around Campus Corner this year. Uh, We'll definitely be setting up at Balfour. But I always see, because that's my little stroll to Campus Corner, which I always enjoy on Saturday mornings, uh, and there's some really cool tailgates over there. So I'm not aware what that area is all about. So there are some spots. But uh, to me, you know, like I said, that's what makes college football great is you get together with your friends, you have a great tailgate, man, and you get there early and you leave late and you have a great day all around Oklahoma football. Or Oklahoma State's tailgating is 
unbelievably great. Hey, no, we, we don't have to appease the Salty Poke fan on the Air Comfort Solutions. But I'm line. just saying that Oklahoma State's tailgate has been uh, rated as one of the best around because that's a good experience in Stillwater. And again, I, like I said, I don't know. I'm not going to criticize OU because I don't know enough about it. Um, it. It seems like everywhere you go, you're getting charged for whatever, right? In any situation, we know that concession prices are way out of whack. Um, but, you know, the fan experience is essential to college football. No doubt. All right. Hey, Steely, not specific to tailgating, but tell the kids about Cecil Samira prowling around the tailgaters back in the day. Are we ever going to have a guy like this again? Go Big Red on his front tee. Cecil Big Red Samara was a legend. You go, go ahead and Google him up. Cecil Samara, S-A-M-A-R-A. Yeah, he was uh, he was probably at that time, at one point, the the most well-known or visible Sooner football fan out there. One listener on the text line says, I went to Tuscaloosa for the OU Alabama game back when Alabama wasn't very relevant, but they had cars pulled up on the sidewalks for blocks and blocks. Everybody had grills and TVs. Very laid back and chill vibe. Alabama definitely knows how to tailgate. Did I tell you I stopped by the University of Alabama's campus for the very first time a couple weeks back? You did not. What was it like? uh, You know, you remember I took those couple days of vacation a couple weeks ago so that I could attend my former college roommate's wedding, which was out in central or north central Georgia, about an hour east of Atlanta. So over the course of the drive out there, We pass through Tuscaloosa. And, of course, you pass through Tuscaloosa. You're getting ready to transition to the SEC. You got to go stop and see. Oh, yeah, you have Bryant-Denny Stadium. You got to go, right? Now, I will say this. It's – at first glance, the stadium isn't all that impressive from the outside, at least. From the outside, it just kind of looks like your typical kind of run-down, worn-out college football stadium. But it's the surrounding aesthetic – that really makes Alabama special. That is a beautiful campus. Is it really? I did not expect Alabama to have that pretty of a campus. Whose campus, is, a gorgeous whose campus, campus. is better, OU's or Bama's? Ooh. Well, That's you want to say Bama, I can tell. Well, I I don't really want to say either. I mean, because OU's campus is pretty nice. It is. It is very nice. And I think, all told, I would probably give the edge to OU. But where Alabama's football stadium is situated relative to the Greek houses and these wide open spaces that they have on campus that's just green grass and trees, it's really picturesque. Like, I I did not figure that Tuscaloosa, Alabama was going to have that nice of a campus at the University of Alabama. But, uh, and I, I I will say this about Tuscaloosa. Outside of campus, not a very picturesque city. Not the type of city that you're like, oh, yeah, I can. Like, when you're rolling into Tuscaloosa, no part of you is thinking, yep, college football's greatest dynasty lives mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Then you roll into campus and you're like, okay, I get it. All right. You know, when I graduated from OU as we go to a break in 1986, uh, the campus was not nearly as aesthetically pleasing as it is now. And uh, during, you know, Bourne's time and, uh, you know, his wife did a great job, uh, you know, making that campus much more pleasing to the eye. There is no doubt about it. And I think it's pretty nice around the 
uh, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, too, with Heisman Park, and it's, it's a cool area over there as well. But when I graduated in the mid-'80s, it was not nearly as uh, pretty as it is now, and it's, it's a pretty nice campus right now. All right, we're going to break right here. Thank you, Tim Lasher. Lasher, Home Comfort System, sponsoring hour number one, 405-579-3113. You need work on your AC done right now. The AC's getting a little bit of a break today, but it'll be back, going hot and heavy soon. Stay with us. We'll be back talking Texas football with Sean Clinch next here on The Ref. Ah, yes, we are back. Let's talk a little uh, Texas Longhorn football. Longhorn insider Sean Clinch joining us on the Riverwind Casino Jackpot line, 405-329-9000. Uh, Sean, always appreciate your time, my man. All right, tell me, is is Hudson Card going to be starting the opener for the Longhorns? <laughs> well, first off, big props on the Elvis Presley, the king, but, you know, the secondary king in Oklahoma. We know Switzer is the real king, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Man, I just think that this is an all-going competition. There's an argument like, that. Well, how is Hudson on his third year? Shouldn't he be leaps and bounds in front of Quinn Ewers? Uh, I, I just think, according to the reps and the reports of the reps, that Hudson is just, you know, it's slowing down for him. I know we hear that all the time about players, the game slowing down, that he's a good practice player and everything. But I think now that they actually have, some continuity on the offensive line despite being young, but losing one to a season-ending injury earlier this week. I do think Hudson and Quinn, at this point, from all indications that I'm aware of, I think it's an even battle right now. Okay, well, our staff here at the Ref, Sean, is very, very divided. I mean, Steely's already gone full Steve Kornacki and called this thing in favor of Hudson Card. Uh, our own our own Teddy Lehman is actually the the quarterback he's worried about most at Texas is Malik Murphy, and then of course I think the prevailing opinion right now is that at the end of the day, one way or another, regardless of who starts the season uh, as Texas's starting quarterback, Quinn Ewers is going to finish the season as Texas's starting quarterback. So if things progress along their current path and of course that big home tilt with Alabama on September 10th looms let me ask you this how likely is it that we see in 2022 between Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers exactly what we saw in 2021 between Hudson Card and Casey Thompson that is to say Hudson Card starts the first two games Texas gets blown out of the water by Alabama in game two the way that they did against Arkansas a year ago and then it's the Quinn Ewers show thereafter. I think all valid points, seriously. I mean, that's fine analysis right there. I wouldn't expect less. But I'm with Teddy. Malik Murphy is the guy, I think, who has a tremendous upside. You know, you keep hearing the nicknames of the old line calling the big humans. Well, Malik Murphy is a large human being, and he's fast, quick twitch, strong. It's just him trying to comprehend this game. I don't think he's a factor yet. But I'm with Teddy in the future, if he doesn't transfer, will be somebody's problem as far as the opposing team. But I think you're right. Like last year, we're probably here in Austin going to see a two-quarterback system. But how much pressure do you think? And, and Well, I'm asking myself this. Is there to put Quinn Ewers in if it's even? If it's an even battle, 
you know, historically and for football coaches, you go with the younger guy if it's even. But moving forward to answer that question, I don't. I, I'm not a believer in a two quarterback system. I'm not at all in this modern era. I think just to you can't appease fans, but you've got to utilize your talents while they're there on campus because we know the the landscape is portal or people get butt hurt and leave or other situations. But I think you've got to figure out what exactly does Quinn Ewers have because he hasn't played it down of football in almost two seasons. Um, but the progress of Hudson, now you got to figure out, all right, is he the guy? Do, we go, do they go with him until he has or he pukes on his pants like he did at Arkansas? But I don't think that's going to happen again. I think it would not surprise me at all if Hudson is the starter. And I've kind of said this back in May, just because Quinn is so new to the game. Is he talented? Does he fire off bombs of an arm? Yes, but you cannot replicate game time experience. Yeah, and he got some meaningless snaps at Ohio State, very few. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, he's, he's great at collecting that NIL bunny, but we haven't seen <laughs> anything on the field, right? Sean Clinch, our guest, uh, Longhorn Insider. Uh, what is the feeling about Sark? I mean, last year when we talk about five and seven, and, and, you know, people thought, well, Sark seems to have his act together. He was with Nick Saban, considered uh, right there among the best OCs in college football. And then, you know, disaster hits and you drop off a five and seven with a home loss to Kansas. Uh, so where are the Longhorn fans right now on the patience scale with Steve Sarkeesian? He's good. I really do. Hey, I have not heard one negative. You know, you heard a lot of negative comments toward Herman because he, he did things a different way. You heard Charlie, the rumblings in year two, um, even after losing the Texas Bowl to Arkansas. He just had the doubts because he didn't hire the right staff. But they were it, it's all focused on the football coach. They had so many issues with administration. Texas was literally just, on, just not on stable ground. But right now, totally different situation. They're invested into a staff. They're going to continue to invest. I mean, money, time, patience. I think after year three is when you reevaluate. I th- honestly, and I call me out on it if I'm wrong after five years, I honestly feel right now they're giving him five years. I, I really do. Now, if they go another five and seven this year, that's, if they have some marked improvement to seven or eight wins, I'm going with eight and four for this year. But another five and seven, that that's a problem. That's an issue. But I, I think right now we, we have to see how good of coaches they are completely because uh, Roshan Johnson's out for up to a month. Uh, Junior Angelow projected to be a starter on offensive line, out for the season. Nayor, the receiver a receiver that you guys aren't aware of, but he showed flashes in spring and last year as a young guy. Um, he's done for the year. And there's a host of other kids who are hurt or missing some significant. Jai Hall so, suspended still. So, yeah, yes. it's it's crazy. Moving a parking boot. <laughs> they, yeah. Hey. That, hey, let's, let's sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that's a challenge that a college kid has to learn, though, right? Parker, you got a question? Yeah, uh, yeah so he, he, let's – let me ask you this, Sean, because you said five years for Steve Sarkeesian. 
And based on the 5-7 and seven record that they had a season ago, five years seems like a lot, especially at this yeah. point in time, uh, to the casual listener. They're going to hear that and think, five years for Sark at this rate? Absolutely not. But we haven't had you on since Texas secured that commitment from Arch Manning back in mid-June, That's which right. I think right. gives Sarkeesian a bit of an insurance policy here. And so what? a couple of questions here. First off, how quickly you think Arch cracks it at Texas, and how much does he have the opportunity to buoy this program from the quarterback position? And secondly, how much job security does the simple and straightforward addition of Arch Manning at face value lend to Steve Sarkeesian? You guys know as well as I do, and the reason why I'm prefacing this, when you have recruiting victories and top, you, you've got to bring in the top classes, period. Oklahoma's done it. Alabama's done it. Texas has done it many times in the past. And another of a whole host of schools have. Um, doesn't mean they're always going to pan out. But to answer your question, which is a good point, and I hate that I didn't think about it earlier, um, that in the eyes of those who are decision makers and the overall Texas fan base, when you bring in the caliber that Manning is and the name and the cachet, that's one huge factor in Sark's corner. It's just developing these guys and, and the run, you know, the momentum that Manning created in the uh, recruiting. I mean, it was like a commitment every four hours. Um, but that helps. I also feel like, to answer your question about Manning, I don't see him being a factor possibly until 2023. Um, or 24, excuse me. I forgot this is 2022. But 2024, I think, is when you see Manning possibly being named that guy. But that would that's going to create some movement, some portal entries, if you will. I mean, who's to say Quinn Ewers will be the guy, but it's, I, I think it's his job to take. But as far as Manning coming in, I don't think anything will happen with him until 2024, if that's a good answer to what you're asking. All right, Sean, we love catching up with you. We'll be doing it again soon. We'll probably get you on Bama Week. Always appreciate your insight. We'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Hey, right, buddy, I can't wait till 100 degrees at 11 a.m. There, there you go. Yeah, that, that that is a rooster kickoff for the Horns and uh, the Crimson <laughs> Tide there at DKR. All right, Clincher, thank you. Thanks, buddy. You guys be good. Sean Clinch, Longhorn Insider, joining us. We'll take a quick break. Uh, Sean was on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, 135. That'll be occupied by our friend Cade McFarland from KJRHTV in Tulsa. We're coming back. Head to the text line, the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. We will do that next right here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. Welcome back. We were just talking uh, to Longhorn Insider Sean Clinch about Oklahoma, Texas. Again, uh, always a huge game of the schedule. Big rivalry, best in my opinion, in college football. To me, there is no better environment in sports that I've been to than Oklahoma, Texas. I particularly like like the 20 minutes leading up to kickoff when the bands take the field, too. That atmosphere is electric. It's even better than Amen Corner at Augusta. It's that good. If you want to go to the Oklahoma, Texas game, you're not going this year. There's an opportunity to go, courtesy of our friends at Riverwind Casino, with their brand-new promotion, The Race. 
to the Red River. Now through August 26th, wildcard members will be able to earn points on all, not, not just a few, all the electronic gaming machines. And again, if you can't find your favorite machine, the Skybridge has some now. The Showplace Theater also has uh, electronic games now because they're doing renovations and the River Lounge. So check out those three new gaming areas and then compile as many points as you can. All right. As many points as you can on your wild card, because when they tally up the points on August 26, the top three players who earn the most points in their wild card are going to be awarded trips to the Red River Showdown, including two game day tickets, hotel stay and ground transportation. The total giveaway value, nearly $3,000 for each of those packages. So play with your wild card now, and you could be going to the OU Texas game in the race to the Red River promotion at Riverwind. All right, you want to go to the Air Comfort Solutions uh, text line? One listener asks, when does Uncle get back from his hunting trip? It's got to be before football season, right? I Well, I also, he had talked about uh, getting preferred walk-on status at Rice because he was going to run out with Rice in the opener and in the pregame go make a beeline straight for uh, Lincoln Riley's knees. So <laughs> we'll see if he can accomplish that. Uh, the burning question everyone wants to know. When's the last time Kevin Durant did a calf raise? (laughs) He's probably done some. Those are basketball muscles for sure. But, yes, there you go. Uh, Let's see. On the topic of tailgating slash stadium experience, one listener says, it would be nice to bring back people selling at least water in the stands. Lines are slow and ridiculous. Man, I used to sell ice-cold Coca-Cola had my rack and everything, but it, well, I was one of the worst salespeople out there because I was really. Oh yeah, I would sit and watch the game. I would like oh, okay. sit in the that aisle, just watch sense. the game, and like, man, this is getting tight. I got to sit down and watch this. Hey, can I get a coke over here? Yeah, hang on after this series. You know, uh, I was not very good at it. Closed out of bottles vibes. Uh, that's. <laughs> I should have put that that sign. You know, one of those placards over me and put that out there. So, by the way. Uh, to, to, this is Brian. Which is the one that Brian said? Uh, Brian okay. says, I am an aspiring OU content creator and follow you, Parker, and I'm a huge fan. Hey, I appreciate that, Brian. Do you have any advice for an up-and-coming guy who wants to be in sports talk radio? I'll tell you what I did. I, My dad, may he rest in peace, best dad ever. I, he knew I loved sports, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and it was my freshman year at OU, and I knew I wanted to do something in sports, and I wasn't going to be Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan or anybody. Uh, I wasn't good enough, but I love sports so much, and I wanted to get into it as well. And My dad told me to come here to this radio station, which was then KNOR, and say, I want to be working in sports. I'll do whatever you need, and it won't cost you a dime. Just go out and volunteer your services. Now you can do that as an internship, but I came out of here and I learned from Dick Pryor and Tim Gregg and Tim Stevenson and James Hale and all the people who were out here. I learned you know, from Tony Sellers and people like that. Uh, and it was probably a year and a half before I got paid, but by the time I was a senior, I was a sports director here. But I would say do that. Now, again, you, you're going to have to give up some time, and you probably won't get paid for it uh, if that's the way you approach it. But for me, I felt like it helped me get ahead of people who were doing stuff just in a classroom. 
So that would be my advice. What about yours? Well, I'll tell you what, and I don't want to get too deep into the weeds here because we are running up against our top of the hour break. But, Brian, I'm assuming you're on Twitter because everyone is these days. My DMs are always open. Go ahead, send me a DM. Uh, I'll be happy to chat with you in great detail uh, about what I can offer. And listen, I am by no means an expert in this regard. I am far younger and far less seasoned than Steely. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. Don't accept it as gospel. Uh, But I'll be happy to chat with you uh, about what I did to get my foot in the door Etc. Yeah, and come out. You can come out and sit a, sit in on a show or something. Uh, I'm sure we could arrange that. So just let us know. Uh, don't sell yourself short, Parker. You're a tremendous slouch, as Judge Smells was. And no, you. I've always said, and Parker is well ahead of the game, man. Well ahead of the game. Uh, he's as far along as anybody I've seen at his age uh, for this business. And I thought, you know. Back in my day, I was pretty far along too, but he's he's well ahead of where I was, uh, even, which is pretty incredible when you consider I'm a future uh, non Hall of Famer and everything. All right, a uh, couple more texts in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Parker, when are you and Brandon doing a live YouTube tonight, 8:30 p.m. on you, the OU Insider YouTube channel? Can you play uh, his intro on uh, on the YouTube <laughs> too? Because that is first class, man. It's still the best intro we have. The Twitter video of the new LED stadium lights looks sweet. Whoa, there's a video of that? I got to see yeah, this. Yeah, it's out. And, oh, I got to see this. And I've always thought, man, it's too dark at the night games at OU. So this is going to be, uh, I know Mark, OU Photog, our buddy right here across the hall is very pumped Oh, man. He's really pumped Listen, up. I, I don't think anybody is more pumped than Mark Desher, but I would venture to say I am number two behind Mark Desher because, man, taking photos at night games at Owen Field – has always been a challenge. Hopefully yeah. it will be much less of a challenge going forward. Well, and it's OU football, man. You should have a superior lighting, right? You're a blue blood. All right. We got a break right here. Thank you to Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Give them a call. You need AC work done. 405-579-3113. Cade McFarland next hour. More of your texts. Uh, it's going to be a fun hour, I promise, here in the 83-degree weather. Keep it here. Okay, welcome back. Good to have you along for hour number two. I I said 83 degrees. It's not even close to 83 degrees yet. It's 73 degrees. You know what I did? I went outside and just uh, breathed in the air. I I, I took a few deep breaths out there. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Breathe. Breathe in the air. What is that? Oh, that's from Pink Floyd. That's right. Dark side of the moon. So, uh, yeah, 73 degrees, which is sensational. I love it. Man. And uh, when I stepped out of the house today to head over here, it was about uh, 8 a.m., it felt like a football fall. Very crisp, a little overcast. It hadn't rained yet. We did have some rain here in Norma, but it felt great. It felt really good. Because we've been walking around in like a crock pot around here for, what, three, almost, well, Pretty much the whole summer. Yes. I mean, it got up. The the temperature that I remember seeing that was the most alarming was 115 degrees, which that's that's not cool at all. All right. Uh, transformation for the OU football team, courtesy of Jerry Schmidt. Can I get some Schmitty music? Yes. I said give me a hell yeah. Yeah. 
that should have been the walkthrough celebration. Schmitty just coming through a curtain to that, I think, when he came back. But if you've seen the video, or certainly if you've been out to practice, you have seen the transformation of a football team. And OU fans, very excited to have Jerry Schmidt back because it's been too, uh, too much Pee Wee Herman, Kettlebell, P90X, BS with the previous administration that OU wasn't tough enough. I will say this, Steely, our show has completely ruined kettlebells for me forever. So I mm-hmm. I I work out with a buddy every morning at 5.30. Yep. And yesterday... Did you pick up a kettlebell? I picked up a kettlebell, oh, and I was no. like, no, no, I can't. I can't do it. I remember one of Muleshoe's first videos there at SC. He was doing that. You know, they showed Muleshoe, and he's out there. You just listen to what we're going to say, and we'll be, you'll be better off. Or, what you know, he's trying to act big and bad. And then they cut to the first workout scene, and it was guys, you know, walking around with kettlebells. So I legitimately, like, I, I can't do it anymore without having that conscious thought just permeate mm-hmm. my brain. Yeah. Like, oh boy, I, this is, <laughs> this is mule shoe culture right here. And I, I have succumbed to it. All right. Let's hear from Brent. What he said the other day about seeing these results from Jerry Schmidt already. I think the biggest thing, and we've gotten stronger and faster and just, you know, we're starting to, you look around you're like, okay, we, we kind of looked apart. And um, that's maybe not surprising, but for me, I'm always looking at everything. And uh, so, yeah, we, we, we got a good look to us you know, physically. Now guys have uh, transformed uh, through, you know, our, both our spring and our summer program. So that's been inc- very encouraging. Guys feel confident because of the work they've put in. That's kind of where you get your swag and your edge is by the work you put in. All right, so Parker Thune, you've been out at practice. You've been around these guys. Give me the five biggest transformed Sooners that you've looked at and go, wow, that looks different. Okay, I'm going to start with Billy Bowman. Probably the obvious answer, but it's just so conspicuous. Billy Bowman is a different animal than he was a year ago, and everybody can see it. Everybody can see it. Brent Venables singled him out yesterday. In his press conference. Yeah, he did. That guy might be playing better defense than anybody on the team right now. So, the transformation, the body by Schmitty, is clearly paying dividends early in the process for Billy Bowman. Two other defensive guys that I will immediately throw into the mix are Clayton Smith, who has put on about 20 pounds, and Kelvin Gilliam, who I, I, I don't know offhand how much weight he has put on, but it is all really good weight. And he looks ripped and way bigger than he did a year ago. Because Kelvin Gilliam, and it's somewhat understandable because he was a true freshman, but he just looked smaller. He looked smaller than all the other interior defensive linemen that Oklahoma had on the roster. I think his playing weight last year was something like 264, which is, I mean, if you're a defensive tackle, that's not where you want to be. And that's part of the reason that and injuries uh, are the two primary reasons why Kelvin Gilliam didn't see the field a whole lot. As a true freshman, he's got an uphill battle for playing time because the Sooners are loaded among that group of defensive tackles in 2022. But Kelvin Gilliam looks completely different than he did a year ago, probably more so than anybody on the defensive side of the ball, save for Billy Bowman. Okay, that's three. You have two more? 
Got two more. This is kind of an off-the-radar, off-the-beaten-path answer, but I saw Brian Darby jogging into practice yesterday, and oh boy, that guy looks big. Now, maybe he's a wide receiver, so maybe that's not what you want, but I tell you what, that, that is a very physically imposing man that the Sooners have in the wide receiver room. And you think about some of the highly athletic plays that he made down the stretch a year ago for Oklahoma, plays that a lot of folks are going to forget about just because of everything else that happened down the stretch for Oklahoma. But he made an outstanding touchdown catch against Texas Tech Yeah, that ultimately was Spencer Rattler's last touchdown pass as a Sooner. Uh, he made an outstanding touchdown catch against Oklahoma State in Mule Shoe's final game as head coach. So, look, if – if Brian Darby can take what he did over the course of most specifically the month of November a year ago, and he can carry that over into 2022 and make some noise in a loaded wide receiver room, I think that's a guy that has sleeper potential in the Oklahoma offense. And the last guy I will bring up, and I don't know, that realistically, I don't know how much you can credit Jerry Schmidt for this. But Gavin Sawchuk, having been on campus for two and a half months at this point, looks ten times more collegiate ready than I ever thought he would be as a true freshman. That guy, no, like, you get some guys that show up and they go through fall camp and they still look like high school football players. Right. That was kind of my concern with Gavin yeah, Sawchuk yeah, for you quite were a while. That Barnes would be ahead of him because Barnes has been here longer, obviously. And they love Javante Barnes, but you're starting to hear a lot of good things about Gavin, Gavin Sawchuk, too. Yeah. I, I have no further concerns yeah. about Gavin Sawchuk's ability to hold up physically as a true freshman. I believe that is a guy that will see the field Yeah, and, and will uh, contribute. By the way, good reports on Marcus Major, too. Yes, very good uh, Very reports. good reports. So it looks like Eric Gray won and uh, Marcus Major 1A, but both those freshman kids are also doing a lot of good things uh, already. So they, they like the running back room too. Okay, but let me ask you about this. Speaking of running backs, I saw in the ESPN crawl, you know, the information down at the bottom of the screen that there was a, uh, uh, you know, an incident, Carolina and New England uh, got into it. Christian McCaffrey, I guess, was part of this uh, training camp. I don't know if it was a full-fledged brawl or anything, but they, they had a little issue there. And also it said uh, in the scroll there was a fan who also got run over in the scrum. Now, I ask you, your, uh, your favorite synonyms for a fight, do you like scrum? Is that pretty good? Skirmish. Skirmish. What yes. about melee? Melee is a good one. Now, we can go old school. You can get into a Donnybrook. Now, that to me happens in a Western saloon. You, here's the thing. You are the only human being I have ever heard use that word. That's and I've you, probably heard you use it six or seven times. That's when you get into a fight in a Western saloon and somebody comes through the saloon doors. That's usually a Donnybrook. What about a kerfuffle? A kerfuffle, Have you ever yeah. been in a kerfuffle? <laughs> I have not. Is that back, a, back when I was in high school, we had this running joke because – uh, one of my teammates was just notoriously not very smart. And he played it off as unintentional, but at one point he referred to the big preseason football scrimmage that we would do as a skirmish. And so 
from then on, anytime we were talking about a scrimmage of any kind, it wasn't a scrimmage. It was a skirmish. A brouhaha usually involves country people, too, wearing cowboy hats, right? Probably at a country bar or maybe back in the Old West. What about a row? Have you ever been in a row? A row? Yes. I think that's another synonym. Old school. A row? A row. Oh, it's a row, right? Yeah, it that's is a like, row. That's, that's across the pond Oh, stuff, yeah, and stealing. a row? It was a row at the Salt match today. Yes, exactly. Okay. Now you're on the right track. All right. Uh, fracas. Fracas doesn't sound, that sounds like a, you know, a, a slap fight or something if you're in a fracas. It also what, sounds what like a beverage. Sounds, you have an no, ice cold fracas. Well, I was thinking it sounds more like a prescription medication that you see in infomercials. Maybe. For. What about a, a rumpus? Have you ever been in a rumpus? <laughs> a rumpus. That involves getting your rump kicked, I think. I think rumpus is another synonym for a fight, though. But that when they put scrum out there, that a fan was also injured in the scrum. The scrum, isn't that a rugby thing, too? Yes, a it is. A rugby scrum. Yes. yes. It's a technical term in rugby. Yes. So, I don't know. I'd probably have to go, uh, depending on where you are. My favorite. Brouhaha is pretty good. Because then it sounds like you've, there's beer everywhere, too. You know, there's a brouhaha, and then a fight breaks out. A bunch of brew. But a Donnybrook, that's clearly an Old West thing. That's, uh, like I said, somebody goes flying through a uh, saloon door. You ever a watched a rugby match? Uh, no, not like in its entirety. I've seen, I mean, just, I've seen some. Yeah, every so often I'm flipping through the channels on my TV, and there will be a rugby match. And so I'll watch it for maybe five or ten minutes just out of sheer curiosity because – it's one of those sports where you feel like you understand what's going on, yeah. but you also yeah, have no, a healthy you, cognizance of the fact that, okay, I I don't actually know the true details of what is unfolding. You know what eyes. the rugby players love? Two things, beer and concussions. That's pretty much it, right? They, they love their beer. Well, have you seen uh, what's the, Invictus is the movie? I haven't seen it, but I just Matt remember like uh, there were some people in the uh, rugby club uh, that would play rugby even back like my senior year at Norman High and at OU, and it was usually about the beer. But you had to get out there and have your head knocked around. That's the thing, man. The, rugby you, players, are they're basically playing football. They are. Full-fledged tackle football without any pads or helmets. Maybe the only tougher players, uh, or not players, but athletes, than the rugby athletes because they're crazy. You don't want to mess with a rugby player. But wrestlers, of course, they are a different breed. No doubt. You don't want to mess with a wrestler, that's for sure. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. And, uh, yes, Sooners in Nebraska, good old-fashioned Donnybrook in Lincoln, Nebraska, September 17th. It will not be a kerfuffle. A row. I forgot that was an English thing. Let's get in a row. All right, when we get back, I want to talk about some of the early games in college football and we'll head to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car, truck, or SUV. Ah, uh, yes, the legendary Kurt Cobain, part of the 27 Club, taking us into a break right here on The Ref. All right, we are back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Big news for the Sooners in basketball 
According to John Rothstein, OU's Joe Bamisil has received that waiver from the NCAA. He is eligible for the 2022-23 season. He is the uh, transfer from GW, also uh, played at Virginia Tech, averaged nearly 16.5 points per game last season. So Joe Bamisil will be eligible to play for the Sooners. So that is good news. I, I thought that was expected, but it's always good to see the official uh, word coming out there for Porter Moser, and uh, we'll have Joe Bamisil eligible for next season. All right, uh, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line here on this wonderful Wednesday because it is 74 degrees right now. It's awesome. I love it. All right, let's get back to the text line and see what you guys have to say. Here we go. Steely. If you were to find yourself about to be in a Donnybrook, quickly look at the guy's ears, and if they resemble cauliflower, you have three choices. Be stupid and oblige him, get more help, or, and this is my recommendation to you, run. Yeah, I wouldn't mess with a wrestler. No chance. No chance. Kylan Brokenbow says, Donnybrook came from the Donnybrook Ireland Fair because of the large amount of skirmishes text more to five six two five for more interesting history yeah so there you go that's where donnie brooke comes from all right big bad wolf st- says hey mike for me and the people today is what mike what day is it mike i want to hear you say it is there a joke here he's trying to do the commercial you know the uh, mike, mike 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 what day is it hump day you know ah, okay there you go there, there you go. go so there you go i forgot i forgot it was mike in that commercial so there you go. Yes. There you go, Big Bod Whoop. Thank you. Hump day. Yep. Uh, rugby has far less concussions. The head is off limits, and a tackle has to be wrapped. No big hits. There's big tackles. Yeah, I was trying to make a bad joke. That's all. I said all rugby players love two things, beer and concussions. It was a bad joke. But, no, if you if you watch the movie Invictus, mm-hmm. they look like – they just walk into the locker room and somebody's standing there with a cooler of beer, like right by the door, and they all just grab a beer and start shotgunning as they walk into the locker room. There you go. Well, I mean, shouldn't every sport be like that? Why not? So, which sport is beer involved with the most? Probably baseball. I would maybe. say baseball, Baseball, yeah. because in the postgame – there was a story, uh, Joe Simpson, who played for Enos Seymour at OU, played in the major leagues, played with, uh, I'm trying to think, was Joe with, I, I know he was with Seattle, I think, for a while, maybe the Dodgers for a while, Braves broadcaster, Joe Simpson, for years and years and years. And um, I think he I think he said he was with the Dodgers when Boog Powell, I guess, let off an inning, and the Dodgers were behind. And uh, Boog Powell, who was best known for being the first baseman with the uh, the Baltimore Orioles back in the day, uh, and but he was playing with the Dodgers. So the Dodgers rallied around, and all of a sudden, Boog Powell they they had to go back to the the clubhouse to find him. And Boog Boog Powell had apparently already chugged a couple tall boys and everything, and he had to come back up. And uh, I, I think he struck out to uh, end the uh, end the rally. But so yes, plenty of beers available in a clubhouse. Sure, come on, stealing the best sport for beer is beer pong. 
Well, I mean, if you want to go that far, yeah, I guess you could say. But I'm just talking about in – I don't know. Hockey players would – there, there would seem to be some involvement with beer there too, right? Yes. Somebody, somebody very astutely brought up golf. Yeah, golf definitely. But I'm talking, like about, talking about the, the professionals, though. Like yeah. once they're done with a round, and I'm sure there's some of that even with the pros, obviously. John Daly, no doubt about that. But um, like when you go back to the locker room in the NBA, I'm sure nobody's, I wouldn't think, drinking a Coors Light, right, or whatever, or anything. In baseball, yes. Bowling and beer. But, again, I'm talking about the pros after, after a game. I would think it would be a baseball clubhouse, but what do I know? So uh, so anyway, bowling and beer, yes, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, you know, I don't mind bowling's fun. I don't go hardly at all, but I always seem to enjoy it. But if if there's a, a you know, as um, Jeffrey Lebowski said, you know, hey man, there's a beverage here. If you have a beverage, then it's more enjoyable. Bowling's just difficult. That's what, like, here's the thing. If you're going to go bowling, and on the rare occasion that I go bowling, I need 10 frames in order to, like, get warmed up yeah, and get my I'm stroke back too. again. Yeah, I, you know, I always start the off fr- all right, and then I miss the, the spares, and then it starts going south. And I, I don't know. I probably bowl like a 120, something like that, maybe. Uh, 105, on, 120 in that range, but I, I hardly ever go. On the rugby conversation. One listener says, wow, Parker made a movie reference. I know, first time and also probably the last. Another says, rugby players tape their ears down so they don't get torn off. Good Lord! Sheesh. Are there that many flying fingernails? That's extreme, man, right there. Uh, Somebody also says, when you score your first try, the rugby equivalent of a touchdown, the tradition is to drink a beer out of your cleat or boot. That's a cool tradition right there. I like that. Sooner Soldier says, when we trained with the Australians in the Army after a mission, we would do an after-action review, and they would be sucking down some brew, and we would have our canteens with plain old water. The Aussies, man. That doesn't, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. The Aussies, man. What an, what an interesting bunch. Okay, back to football. One listener asks, Parker, can you tell me about Josh Eaton? I thought he showed a lot of promise last year. How's he looking? I can tell you this much. The NFL interest, or at the very least intrigue, in Josh Eaton is high because he is so physically impressive for a cornerback. Six foot two. And that said, he has really struggled on the football field at times. He's been on the verge of doing some nice things. He's had his moments. I don't want to take that away from him. But I feel as though the one play that people remember Josh Eaton for is when he got baptized in the corner of the end zone by Quentin Johnston last year. That's more than anything what Josh Eaton is associated with in the minds of most fans. So I, I've heard that he's made strides in fall camp and that he's turning some heads, but I'll continue uh, to reaffirm this. To the best of my knowledge, right now, your two starting cornerbacks, unless something changes over the last couple weeks of fall camp, are Woody Washington and Jaden Davis. So if Joshua Eaton wants a slice of the pie at the cornerback position, 
he's really going to have to show up, particularly in non-conference play, and supplant one of those two guys. It would have to be Jaden Davis because I don't see any way that Woody Washington is going to cede a starting role. He is the best defensive back on Oklahoma's roster. And what I always go back to with Woody Washington, what makes him so impressive as a football player to me, is that he's a natural safety. Mm -hmm. He played cornerback. He began playing cornerback out of necessity in 2020, quite simply because everybody else either sucked or was hurt. And boom, he instantly transformed into Oklahoma's best cover corner and didn't allow a touchdown pass in close to 500 coverage snaps that year. So Woody Washington is firmly entrenched as your number one option at cornerback. Right now, number two looks like Jaden Davis. Yeah, would uh, would DJ Graham be second, you think, right now? Be DJ Davis Graham's going to be in the mix. Yeah. Uh, Josh Eaton will certainly be in the mix as well. And then you got the Wyoming transfer, CJ Colden, whom I expect to be in the mix as well. But the leaders in the clubhouse right now for the starting roles, to the best of my knowledge, are Woody Washington and Jaden Davis. There you go. All right, Riverwind Casino, you want to go to the Oklahoma-Texas game? You know, they just gave away five trips, five of them, to the Oklahoma-Nebraska game in Lincoln September 17th. Uh, if you play with your wild card and you were part of the uh, Battle of the Big Reds promotion and you finished in the top five points-wise on your Riverwind wild card, uh, you want a trip to the Oklahoma-Nebraska game. They just gave those away. Now we are talking about the race to the Red River. If you want to go to the Oklahoma-Texas game, they've got the tickets, they've got the transportation and the accommodations. You have a Riverwind wild card, hopefully. If you've been to Riverwind, you have one. Use that wild card. Play any of the electronic games. They have 2,800 of them over there. If you can't find your favorite game, there are three new locations where you can find that game. Uh, the Skybridge now has games. You also have the River Lounge and the Showplace Theater. They're going through some renovations right now at Riverwind Casino. So if you can't find, let's say it's Open the Vault or whatever, try the Skybridge, try the Showplace Theater, try the River Lounge. Uh, that game would be in one of those three places if you can't find it. But anyway, get as many points, as many points as you can. And if you're in the top three point earners when they tally all those points August 26th, you're going to go to the Oklahoma-Texas game as one of three people to win the race to the Red River. Again, take us to the game, hotel stay, ground transportation, the total value of uh, each of these three giveaways, $2,900, really almost $3,000 per each uh, giveaway that they are uh, doling out to the top three point earners in the race to the Red River. So get your wild card out. Get over to Riverwind and play, 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 and go see the Sooners and the Horns in the Cotton Bowl. All right, break time right here. We've got Caden McFarland coming up next, talk a little college football, and he's a big Notre Dame guy, so you want to get his take on the Manti Teow doc out now on Netflix. Who is Lene Kakua? Not real, we can tell you that. We'll be right back. Here he is. Cade McFarland, KJRH TV in Tulsa. And yes, he is a huge Notre Dame guy. Caden joining us on the uh, Riverwind Casino Jackpot Line 405 329 Caden, um, have you started the Manti Teow Netflix doc on, uh, again, the catfishing of Manti Teow? Have yeah. you started yet? Yeah. 
What do you think? I have. I'm through. I'm through one episode. First, first things first. I do hope that this show progresses to the point where you talk so much Notre Dame football, you can just keep me on retainer. Just bring me. I'm, I'm here anytime. Anytime you want to talk about the Irish. Well, well I'll tell you this much, Caden. If uh, if Peyton Bowen's recruitment continues to drag oh, out, goodness. then oh, goodness. Uh, we might be talking yeah. about Notre Dame a lot these next couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it probably. Maybe uh, it's Bowen and then uh, Keeley, maybe the top, top two defensive players in Notre Dame's class, which was number one for most of the summer. But uh, that's not what you brought me on to talk about, right? That could be huge for OU. I mean, Bowen. I just saw, I guess, the tweet from OU. They mic'd up Gentry Williams. I think he was clocked at like 21 and a half miles per hour, and I think Bowen is is in that range as well. So, yeah, uh, Brent Venables is going to gobble up plenty of defensive players, plenty of speed in the secondary. I don't think he needs to pilfer one more from Notre Dame, but I digress. Uh, yep, made it through uh, part one. Difficult to watch for the most part. Uh, I think I'm struck by a couple of things with regard to Manti Teo and the catfishing and uh, the confluence of events, I, you know, I just don't know that it could have happened at a different time in history. Um, you know, it, somebody had to be the first high-profile catfishing victim. Uh, it couldn't have happened at many other schools, and, and Notre Dame hadn't been good in 20 years. It's just crazy that the best defensive player they had had in decades, uh, playing for the best team they'd had in 20 years, uh, growing up in, you know, it, sort of a sheltered life, I, I think, prone to be a victim of something like this more than, than some other people. Um, it is weird, wild stuff. Hard to get inside the mind of Lene Kukua or whatever. I, I don't know if that's still the name um, she goes by. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm in, uh, it was weird. Waters here. I'm in uncharted waters. Well, you know what? Life, but yes, but yeah, you... I watched part one, and it was it was hard to watch mostly. But it's good. But it's entertaining. It held your attention. I'm sure. No, no doubt. So here's the deal, Parker. And you were uh, Oklahoma when they played Notre Dame in 2012. Oh, I, I remember that game distinctly. Manti Teo, <laughs> one-handed pick. Everett Golson had the game of his life. There was a different vibe around that stadium. Hey, when Notre Dame comes to town, that's huge. Notre Dame, again, you can argue. I know Bama's, you know, at the top of the tradition heap right now, but uh, Notre Dame has was probably, before Nick Saban's run, you know, had the greatest tradition, I think, in college football when you consider everything, the movies and Rudy and uh, Newt Rockney All-American with Ronald Reagan, win one for the Gipper and all of that stuff. I mean, Notre Dame's history is, is, is up there. And uh, I would say still way up there. And when they came to town, that, that was a special night. That was also the night. Caden, I don't know where you were at the time, but that was the night. I remember we were watching the game. I did my pregame show, and we went and watched it at a buddy's house that night. So a big group of us are watching Oklahoma Notre Dame. And out of nowhere, my lovely wife, Shay, says, Did you guys hear that James Harden got traded? And we're like, Unbelievable. What? Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was a strange yeah. night. Where were you at that time, Caden? I, I was on Owen Field. I figured uh, you were. Pictures with with the leprechaun. Uh, yeah, no, I was I was covering that ball game, and as you can imagine, word just began to make its way through the media, and I mean, everyone was aghast, uh, and I was no doubt. I mean, I was stunned by the fact that Sam Presti decided to trade James Harden at that point in time. But I will say this: like only a week or so prior, they had come to Bixby for a scrimmage. Uh, the Thunder did that for a couple of seasons. Um, and Harden was on one side, and Westbrook and Durant were on another. 
and Harden was giving it to him. Harden's team led after a quarter, and, I mean, they were going at each other, and it dawned on me a light bulb went off. Holy smokes, James Harden is better than I thought. Um, now, I, based on that, you could make the case that Sam Presti should have realized that too, right? Uh, but that was the first inkling I had because when they made the trade, or, you know, let's say at least if they had made the trade a week or two prior, there is no way I would have thought it would turn out to be um, the all-time blunder uh, that it ended up being. You know, I thought James was a really nice player, but I thought Ibaka was more important to the future, and, you know, that shows you what I have know about basketball. But, yeah, it was no doubt shocking to have a team that had just made the NBA Finals. Everybody was 22 years old. Uh, we're all covering what we think is going to be the biggest game, uh, you know, the OU football season, and that goes down at the same night. It was, yeah, it was, it was an interesting night. Let me ask you this, Caden. We are just over two weeks away from the season opener for Oklahoma, and there have been some concrete reports out of fall camp. Obviously, most recently, the news yesterday that super senior linebacker TD Roof is going to be out for the year uh, with a bicep injury. So, for the most part though it's been a relatively quiet camp for Oklahoma and mm-hmm. generally that's more of a good thing than it is a bad thing that said what is the one question you have that you believe mm-hmm. needs to be answered before the opener well how about this see if and I want to lob this at both of you I sent this text to several buddies yesterday and just loved the discussion it, it sparked who do you think think will be, if you had to make a prediction right now, who is going to be this team's defensive MVP? And the reason I think that sparks such great discussion is I think the total number of names I received from just three or four guys I texted, like guys in the know, might have been 14 or 15 names. I mean, when, when is that ever the case? I, I, I really feel strongly that the defense will be better, but I have no idea who's going to step up and do the job. It, it could be five or six out of a group of 15 or 16, right? I, you would start, I think, with, like, Jalen Redmond, Woody Washington. Those guys have shown us something. You, you wonder about, like, Grimes or Stripling up front. It's somebody who can rush the passer. But, gosh, in the, the way Venables talked about Billy Bowman, now I feel like you got to throw him in the mix because he's a high-ceiling guy. And if Brent Venables is coaching a team, you know that they're going to go as the linebacker play goes. And so now I'm wondering, Stutzman, Deshaun White, Who's going to be kind of leading the way with that defense? I'm going to go. No I'm going to go idea. Ethan Downs. I'm going to go Ethan Downs. What do you say, Parker? Yeah, yeah, I've heard that name. Defensive MVP. I would say you. Your hope is that come the end of the season, you're talking about somebody being or somebody on the defensive front being the MVP because I think strong play on the defensive front sets the table for the rest of the defense. And I've mentioned this several times over the past week. I think if at year's end we're talking about somebody like Ethan Downs or Jalen Redmond being the Sooners' defensive MVP, that's probably going to be an indication that the Sooners, as a unit, played pretty dang well on the defensive side in 2022. Yeah, so to me that's the question that I want – to begin getting answered, you know, when they play UTEP, who are the guys who are out here making plays? Who does Venables trust? And who, you know, I mean, it's not just who is a high-ceiling guy, but who can get the job done? Because I do think the potential is there for this to be a pretty rock-solid unit with playmakers at all three levels. If, if they know what they're doing, if they get the right 11 on, on the field who, who know what they're doing. Um, I, you know, I mean, Brent Venables has coached way too much good defense for me to think – anything but this team's going to take a pretty good step forward. 
All right, uh, before we let you go, Cade McFarland, our guest on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line, 405-329-9000. How do you feel about your fighting Irish going into the uh, horseshoe uh, right off the bat, taking uh, taking on the Buckeyes? What are you thinking? Not good at all. Uh, I I think Ohio State is just too much, and it's going to be same song, different verse. Um, we've seen this where Notre Dame comes up against teams that are they, they you know played uh, Clemson the year Trevor Lawrence led them to a national title, made the playoff that year. They made the playoff a couple years ago and had to play a Bama team that had about as good an offense as I've ever seen. Uh, I think Ohio State kind of fits into that that category. Uh, you know Stroud and the wide receiver core, which is nuts. Um, I, I think they're just going to be way too much. I think the spread's like fifteen and a half right now, and that. If, frankly, if Notre Dame keeps it to a couple of scores like that, I'm going to feel really good about Marcus Freeman and this team's 2022 because I just don't give them much of a shot at all. Now, there are a few days between here and now. I, I might be able to psych myself out and uh, get to a place where my, I, I'm irrational about it. But right now, not good, Steely. Well, Caden, let the record show that I have Notre Dame covering. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say they win that game against Ohio State. But I believe they cover at plus fifteen and a half. Wow, that's a that's a pretty line, big spread. That's a big spread it, right there. The wow. O line, the D line, they're both going to have to win just to keep it within two scores. So the last uh, possible, yeah, the last time they played was 2016, 17 in that Fiesta Bowl. That was Brady Quinn. Was yeah. wasn't he? Da- wasn't Brady Quinn like? No, da- no, they. Uh, so that was Deshaun Kaiser. That was actually the Ezekiel Elliott. Like, he had to stick around for a third year of college after he had helped them win the national title the year before. Oh, and Ohio okay. State had the best team in the country, but tripped up somewhere in the regular season and ended up putting it on Notre Dame. Jalen Smith got hurt in that game. Notre Dame actually, I think it was 44-28 was the final. That's one of their better big game showings, believe it or not, in the last 30 years. So, that'll be pickings for us, man. That'll be a good one. That's the 6:30 ABC game in uh, you know, we've got games next Saturday, Nebraska Northwestern and Dublin. That's on August 27th, but that's the ABC game uh in what's really week 1 and that uh, at the Horseshoe Notre Dame in Ohio State. Caden, always enjoy uh, getting together with you. Thanks for your time. We'll talk again real soon. Thank you. My pleasure. Have a good one, fellas. Caden McFarland, KJRH-TV in Tulsa. Let's break right here. Let's come back with some final sports notes. Uh, probably have time for some texts as well. 405-651-3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for sponsoring our second hour here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Headed down the stretch, you've got uh, locked in with uh, Parker, Tyler McComas coming up at the top of the hour right here on the ref. What a great day out there right now. We are looking at temperatures in the mid-70s here in Norman. It's great. I love it. Love it. All right. Why don't we finish up with some uh, texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. That is 405-651-3439. One listener says, can OU get a Gentry Williams, Jaden Rowe, Gavin Sawchuk, and Jaron Canick in a four-by-one? I, I was actually talking to DeMarco Murray at OU's Media Day about this, and I forget who it was that asked the question, but somebody actually posited this question to him. Who would you draft for a four-by-one team 
if you could pick guys from Oklahoma's football team. Those are the only guys you could pick. He said Gavin Sawchuk and Jaden Rowe would definitely be on that team. And DeMarco also said, I don't know who'd be running the third leg, but I'd be anchoring it. Really? I like it. I like it right there. <laughs> DeMarco good. still got that dog in him. Yeah, he does. Okay. One listener says, I'll never forget that night. It felt like everything went downhill after the news of James Harden, including the OU game. Yes. Was that game tied going into the fourth quarter? I think it was, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say go it ahead was 13-13 going into the yeah, fourth quarter. I think that's right. And Notre Dame just poured yeah. it on after that. And that was the night where, again, I thought Everett Golson, the Notre Dame quarterback, who was up and down, a really good athlete, but not a great thrower, but had a really good night for, for his ability throwing the football. So, but uh, that was that was a cool night. And, of course, uh, the Sooners going to South Bend and winning with Blake Bell was a cool deal. And, uh, I mean, Oklahoma-Notre Dame, they've got some history. They Dick Lynch, he was the guy who broke the 48-game winning streak. So, what do you think in terms of, I mean, you're a youngin'. You're one of them young whippersnappers. What would you say right now, who do you feel like are, like, the five most tradition-rich programs in football tradition rich yes so we're not saying blue bloods here we're just we're saying, not saying like it doesn't have to be uh you know tradition rich programs because you can still make an argument that notre dame is if not one definitely in the top three. OU, ohio state notre dame those are the three at the top of the list for me and then bama i'd throw alabama in there number five is where it gets tricky um, SC's in the mix, uh, as much as I hate to yeah, say it. Yeah, you know. they are. Uh, maybe LSU. I thought Dan Devine broke the win streak. No, Dan Devine came along a lot later down the road. Kendall asks, is it true that Jason Garrett is doing the Notre Dame TV broadcast with Jack Collinsworth? By the way, <laughs> the fact that Jack Collinsworth was on the NBC Sunday Night Football telecast a year out of college, man. That tells it kind of tells you all you need to know about the good old boy system. Yeah, in broadcasting. that's right. I don't know. Is Jay, is that true? I haven't seen. I have not. Jack seen. Jack Collinsworth, man. He is. He is. He is literally like a carbon copy of his dad, Dude, only thirty five years younger. I can remember uh, growing up and getting up on Sundays. It was ten to six headed into the fourth. They dropped twenty. We only scored seven. So okay. Oklahoma. Uh, so Notre Dame had. So we, they were leading 10 okay, to 6. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, yeah, Michigan's up there, too. They've been the winningest program. If you go total victory, yeah, I think okay. they still Mich have that. Michigan probably belongs. But I can still remember Notre Dame replays on Sunday mornings with Lindsey Nelson. We move along to action in the fourth quarter, you know. And uh, so and uh, the, the replays that you got, you got a Notre Dame replay, and we got a Grambling State replay also, which I thought was super cool with Eddie Robinson. And then later, like on Sunday night, you would get the, you know, the Barry Switzer replay, the Switzer playback show, which was always, uh, you know, cool to watch, too, if my parents would let me stay up that late. But I do remember, again, on Sunday mornings, and you also got the 30-minute uh, college football highlight show, and it was, I think it was Bill Fleming who hosted that back in the day, if I'm not mistaken. But that was big, too, if your team got on the 30-minute highlight show, you know. Uh, which was pretty cool. 
Okay, got to get out of here. Thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, America. Think about Exit 72. You're looking for a car, truck, SUV, used car. Uh, They have a great selection there. They're going and finding the best used cars out there. Obviously, the used car market is big right now, and you'll find a good selection there as well. Plus, great service after the sale. The great guarantee of oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. All right, we're getting locked in. Coming up next, Parker along with Tyler McComas. Hope you're having a great Wednesday. Loving this weather. Tomorrow, moving one step closer to the start of the college football season. It'll be, what, 16 days away, I believe, tomorrow. The Cowboys will be two weeks away from their opener against Central Michigan, of course, which is a Thursday night game for Oklahoma State. Everybody have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Locked in coming up next here on The Ref.